and the cities shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall be towards the north, and half of it towards the south. And ye shall flee to the valley, the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with him, or with thee. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall play and put his hand on the cockerous den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters of the sea cover. And in Revelations 20, Revelations 20 verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, it's a day that you have made. It's a day that, Lord, we can lean and learn and glean from you and glean, Lord, the things that you have for us today. Lord, I ask your blessings upon this time together. I ask that you'd bless each one that is shown here today, Lord. I ask that you would help them through this day and that, they, Lord, you would speak to their hearts. Lord, I ask that you would bless my thoughts and bless my words and help me, Lord, to convey the message that you have given me this morning. I ask your blessings upon this and upon this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a very young boy um, in grade school, the metric system was trying to be introduced to us. And um, I never really grasped all the uh, complexities of the, the, uh, the metric, metric system. And for, for I, I couldn't tell you even today what a liter is. I, I couldn't tell you the, the, the measurement of a kilometer. Um, because I work in the medical industry, I do know what a, a, a centimeter and a milliliter is, or a millimeter. Um, and I know that there are, uh, th those are all different things of measurements that, the, uh, the Europe uses and, and, and the rest of the world uses to uh, measure uh, their, their standards, their standard of measure, where we have the U.S. measurement of standards of inches and yards and foots and uh, miles and, and so forth. But the one thing that I did grasp 
as a child about the metric system, and that is that the word milli means a thousand. Now, the word milli, uh, or uh, what I'm talking about this morning, is the millennial reign, the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, it is a time that is, is a, the word millennium comes from a Latin word that means a thousand. And uh, this morning, as Brother Cross was mentioning, he talked last week about the first coming of Christ. And this morning, I am going to attempt to teach about the second half or the second advent of Christ. Now, I, um, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that what I have this morning is, is a definitive Lesson. I, I, I am not like Irving Baxter. I, I, I don't put a lot of conjecture, although I do have some conjecture in my notes. The thing about revelations is that the, there's a lot of uh, uh, innuendo. There's a lot of uh, vague words. There's a lot of uh, uh, word pictures that are used that what, ha- what may have been to John may not mean the same thing to us. So, I, you know, I, I tried to stay somewhat away from that, but I, I just want to tell you that I am not a prophetic teacher, and this, is really, this was really a challenge for me to try to uh, bring this lesson. Um, one of the things that we want to remember is that, um, you know, whatever happens, God is still in control. You know, there's, 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 there's no way that, even though what seems like chaos in our lives, what it seems like there's chaos in the world, God has a pattern. God has a way of doing things. And we must always remember that uh, God is always in control. I can remember very easily the, uh, the, the, the time during the desert storm and desert shield that um, people were looking at the, the, the coalition of uh, military forces that were coming together and, and they were asking this question, is this the end time? We, we, we don't under, really understand a lot about uh, what really constitutes the end times, but scripture gives us a lot of hints, it gives us a lot of directions to follow. And... Um, I didn't know how to really best approach this lesson, and, and so I, I took it in the, in the form or in the context of the way the book, or the lesson book brought out, and that was in, in the way of chronology. I, I, as I looked at it and I said, this is, this is what's going to happen here, this is what's going to happen here and here and here, and so I, I tried to do my best to step it down as time goes on to try to teach uh, at least a, a fluid idea of how uh, Scripture is going to bring things to pass. We know that at the end of Desert Shield and again at the end of Desert Storm that it wasn't the last time. Twenty years later, we're still looking at the ideas that you know uh, Christ is still going to come back and that the, the, that was not the time that, uh, of Armageddon or the end of the world. But there are some questions that are asked in our own mind. Well, what is the, the, the end of the world? What does the end of the world look like? What do the end of the days that, that are coming look like? Um, the, the thought begs the question, how can we know that we are in the last days? How can we know that you know, we're, we're standing at the doorstep of time where Christ is going to come back and the rapture of the church is going to happen? Is there anything in Scripture that tells us or gives us an idea 
of when the beginning of the last days began. And this morning I want to tell you, yes, we can know definitively when the scripture says the last days will begin. And for those of you who have your Bible and want to turn to Acts 2, 17 through, uh, 17 through 19, it says this. In Acts 2, 17, it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show them wonders above and signs in the earth beneath and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. We know that the last days began at the time when the church was created. On the day of Pentecost, when, when God poured out His Spirit, the time clock was started that the last days began. In the last days it shall come to pass, the Scripture says. In the last days we can know that the times that we are living on, we're living on borrowed time. We know that uh, through the, the scriptures that God was going to show as many signs and wonders and miracles in heaven and in earth. Well, one of the signs that we see that in, the, in, in this time of outpouring was that there was a cloven tongue upon all those who were in the upper room. All seeing these cloven tongues as they were worshiping God and giving God the glory. Another sign that we seen during that time or, or, uh, uh, of worship in the upper room was that there, there was a group of Jews from all different kinds of nations, 17 to be exact. And as those 17 nations came together, each one heard them praise God in their own language. And that can be found in Acts 2 and 6. We know that scripture tells us that on that very day, on that very hour, that 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's a miracle of God. We also know that God had did special miracles by the apostles. We know that Peter walked across the street, and as he walked across the street, his shadow fell upon those who were sick, those who were laid in the streets, and God did great miracles in allowing that his shadow would just heal those who were sick. What a power of God that rested upon the apostles. I want to tell you this morning, that same power that was upon the apostles rests with you and I today. We don't have to walk in, in darkness. We don't have to walk in weakness. The God that we serve is still as powerful today as he was back then. And he's still doing great and mighty miracles. I can tell you from experiences of other people that God is still raising people from the dead today. I can tell you from the testimony of others that God is still healing today. God is still providing for his people today. We are not a powerless church that just because time has moved on that God has walked away from us. The God that I serve is not dead. He is alive and he still reigns today. Mark 16, 15 through 18 talks about these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out demons. They shall do many things. They will speak with other tongues. They shall pick up serpents and shall not be harmed. Those are, that's a paraphrase, but that's what the, the, the gist of the scripture. We know that God has given power unto the church. Another way that we can judge whether we are in the last days is we can look at the dream that was given unto, by God unto Nebuchadnezzar. 
concerning the statue that he was shown. In Daniel 2, 32 through 35, it says, His image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part iron, part clay. He, thou sawest till the, that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and of clay, and break them in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, and it became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The stone that the builders rejected that back in that day when Christ walked upon the earth has become the chief cornerstone today. It is on Christ that we have built everything that we have. It is on Christ that we cast our hope. It is upon Christ that washes away our blood. It is upon Christ that gives us our hope. It is upon Christ that one day He will return and come back for His people. For you see that image that was talked about in Daniel 2 is, talks about the five kingdoms that will come upon the earth before Christ comes back. The first is the head of gold, which was Babylon and Daniel 2 and 3. The second is the breast and the arms of silver, which was the Medo-Persian empire. The third is the belly and the thighs of brass, which was the Grecian empire under Alexander the Great. His kingdom after his death was divided into four different kingdoms and the one that arose out of that with great power was the great Roman Empire which was the two legs of iron. And in the fifth we see is two feet, two feet and ten toes made of iron and clay which represent the Roman Empire reconstituted or brought back together. I want to tell you this morning that I think that empire exists today. There, are, there was little doubt in my mind that what that is talking about is the European Union. Today the European Union still is, is, is in such an existence that it has no real military might, but what it does has is it has economic power. It has political will and those will, that will is being forced upon all those who live in that country. You see, we're, we're living in a time when we can know we don't have the exact day, for the scripture says that no man knows the day nor the hour that I will return. But we can have these indications that say, hey, you better watch out, you better be prepared. The scripture says that no man knows when the thief comes to steal or to break into his house. You know, we don't know when that man or that person is going to break into your house, but we can be prepared with our sawed-off shotgun. We can be prepared with our 9mm. Let him try. You know... But all that aside, I'm, I'm saying that we don't have to be afraid of what is happening in our society today. We can have the clues that the scripture gives and take them and be prepared for the time that when Christ does come back. We don't have to be caught blind like the rest of the world is going to be caught blind. When the rapture of the church happens, there will be many tales told about this maybe happened or that maybe happened. And very few, will, few that are left will understand what really took place is that God took his church back home with him. We know that there are many signs that the scripture says that will take place. We know that the scripture says that the whole earth groans and travails together until now. Romans 8 and 2, 22. There is a groaning within our earth. 
There is great uh, 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 change that is going, play, going forth in our earth. There are, there are there's so much chaos. There are so many things, so many uh, cataclysmic events that are happening in our society and in our lives today. Just recently, we had the earthquakes in, 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 uh, uh, around Indonesia and the typhoons and all the dev- devastation that comes with that. There are times that show that God is preparing the earth to come back. Our creation, we're not talking about Mother Earth. We're not talking about uh, some, some, what is that uh, word, panatheistic uh, form of, of worship, the, the worshiping of nature. But what we're talking about is there are states in, in our world this morning that, that are, are taking place that we can take clues from. If you were to, to read uh, out of Matthew 24, there are some great indications. It seems like if you look at scriptures in and of themselves, they seem so chaotic. But if you look at Ma- uh, Matthew 24, would you bring that up there, sis? 24 and verse 5, starting with verse 5. It says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I'll get another. For the nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes and divers or different places. And all these things are the beginnings of sorrows. That, that's good enough. For when the time of Christ, before Christ sets, comes back for his church, what will be the state of the world? Well, there will be many who will come in the name of Christ, and they will deceive many. There will be many wars, and there will be much civil strife. We see that today in the time of Syria. We see it today in the time of Egypt. We see it today in the time of Libya, uh, where nations within themselves are imploding upon themselves because there is civil disobedience, and, 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 and there, there are people who are trying to bring down internal governments because they're trying to bring about their own form of faith or their own form of government. Civil strife is, is very prevalent today. There will be famines and pestilences, and there will be earthquakes in all these different places, but these are just the beginning. That means there's more to come. There will be the saints of God will be hated, they will be hunted, they will be persecuted, and they will be killed for the name of Christ. That is going on today in the second and third world countries, in the Muslim countries. Uh, Christians are being drugged out of their house and being shot. Christians are being uh, uh, drug, drug out of their house and being murdered in the streets. They're being tortured. They're being uh, hunted down and persecuted for what they believe or believing in Christ. It is going on today. There will also be those who follow the apostasy or they're turning away from faith and believing a lie. Their love for God will turn cold. We live in that day today where there are so many who say, I don't need to go to church. I don't have a desire to go to church. Church is for old people and young children. There are those who don't understand that if you're not prepared, you're not going. There are those who want to say that that book that you all believe in, it's just a bunch of uh, do's and don'ts and more don'ts than do's. You see, 
there are, there's a time, and I believe that we live in it, that there are those who will not care to hear the name of Christ. We, we're living in a time when you, can, you cannot make fun of any other faith but the Christian faith. You can make fun of any other religion. Uh, you can't make fun of any other religion, but you can make fun of the, of the, the faith of Christians. Oh, they're, they're, they'll take it. They're forgiving. Now, what are they going to do about it? Also, during this time, the scripture talks about there will be many false prophets that will rise and deceive many. There will be backsliding that will take place in the church, and there will be great indifference towards sin in the church. You see, I feel like we're there. We're living in a time when, when we don't look at sin in the same way. It's okay to do the things that once was, was a shame. It was, it's okay to, to live a life of immorality. Oh, God is a loving God. God won't judge me for that. Well, I, I beg to differ with you. God is going to judge you for that. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Well, what would be the mindset of, of the church during that time? In 2 Peter 3... 3 and 4, it says this, Knowing this first, that sh there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creations. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says this, For know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of, all, of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. You see, we live in those times where the church is, is full of people who want to do their own thing. They want to they create their own little kingdom. I, I'm over this or I'm over, I'm in charge of this, I'm in charge of that, I am the assistant pastor, I am, I am this. Titles, titles given, but they have very little meaning to things that are, are really what's behind it all. And that is the love for men's souls. That is the love for the souls of men who, who are still lost. We can become our own little kingdoms. We can, we can become uh, backbiters and, and we can say a lot of mean things about people within the church. This is the form that will take place before the end times. I want to ask you, how can we know? That we are in the end times? It's because we're, we're right there, right where these scriptures are, are, are bringing us together. There's, 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 we say that these things have been going on for a long time. And they have. And they'll probably go on for a long time more, we all think. But I want to tell you this morning that God will one day cut it off. One day He will bring an end to it. The prophecy writer... Jack Kelly believes that there will be seven major events that will take place before Christ's return. The first will be that Israel will hold their own land, as found in Ezekiel 30, 36, 8 through 12. He believes that Jerusalem will be under Jewish control, all of Jerusalem. In fact, the scriptures that we read was that uh, in Zechariah 14 that, that the Jews will have control of all of Jerusalem and then they'll lose half of it. Jerusalem, uh, a Muslim coalition will come together and be armed and led by Russia to attack the Holy Land as found in Ezekiel 38.2-6. The ancient Roman Empire will reemerge as a mighty political force. Jack Kelly believes that the world will embrace one religion. He also believes that the world will accept a single government 
and that Babylon will reemerge as a prominent city of world affairs. You see, we're right there. No, we don't have a world religion, but we do have a one world religion council with the United Nations. They're trying to bring all these religions under one roof. That's right there. In order for us to come to a single government, the scriptures, to, to make the scriptures work, something has to happen that is so cataclysmic that they only want one form of government. I don't know what that event will be, but it certainly is going to happen. I believe it because the scripture says it. We also know that Babylon will be the center of trade. That uh, Babylon will be the center of uh, world affairs. We, we know that uh, by, by history that not only was Babylon a great city during the old days, but uh, um, what was the guy that we just, Saddam Hussein, actually was rebuilding Babylon when, when he was conquered or, over, uh, or destroyed. You see, just like the first advent uh, of Christ when he returned, the second return is going to be the same way. In the first advent when Christ returned, first he came back in bodily form. He lived and he died and, and, in a, and, and he came back the second time in a spiritual resurrection. In the second advent, advent of Christ, it, the, the, the process is going to be reversed. In the second advent, Christ is going to come back for his spiritual church. And he's going to rapture his church out of here. And then after, all, uh, after seven years of rejoicing with Christ, the, 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 this is the time of uh, desolation. I, I believe that the time of uh, uh, abomination desolation is when uh, the Antichrist goes and, and offers a pagan a sacrifice in a Jewish temple. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen, uh, but I've been told that, or I've heard that, the, uh, the Jews have the cornerstone for the, ne the next temple. And when you see that cornerstone being set, know that the time is near. Know that the time is near. One of the things that will happen during this time when the church is raptured is that after the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be a time that Christ will reward His people for the things that they've done on the earth for the name of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15, it says this, And every man shall be made manifest, or every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, but it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abides, which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as so as by fire." You see, during this marriage supper of the Lamb, God is going to reward His church for all the things that they suffered and for all the things that they did for the name of the Lord. And we're going to, receive, we're going to take those rewards and use them as, to glorify God with. It's a time of rejoicing. It's not a time of sorrow. It's a time where we're going to spend time, seven years with the Lord. The next time that Christ comes back... In the, in the second advent is going to be in his physical presence on a white, white horse. And all the saints and the angels of God, will bring, God will bring with him to the earth. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7 and 8 it says this, And unto you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord shall, Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels taking 
fire or in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obeyed not the gospel of the Lord. For all those who say that God is not real, for all those that say that your God is powerless, for all those who heard the gospel and walked away from that message, for all those who left the church and never came back, for all those who, who refused to allow the, 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 the word of God to penetrate their heart, the scripture says that God is coming back and he's going to take vengeance upon them. Those who are left behind after the rapture of the church must suffer the wrath of God. They must suffer the judgments of God. When God comes back upon the earth, the scripture says that in the, in the, in the, in the war, uh, uh, that, that the, the, the blood will flow up to the, the, the bridle of the horse. It says it will take years to bury all the dead. There, there's coming such a time when man has never seen before or will ever see again. We know that God is going to bring judgment. Our God is a loving God now, but He's going to come back a second time. And there won't be love, but there will be judgment for those who will refuse to obey the Word of God. When all things happen and Christ subdues all the kingdoms of the earth, then will the scripture be fulfilled that says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, as found in Romans 14 and 11. Another description of the Lord's return is found in Revelations 9:16, or 19:16, and he said unto him, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh written, King of King and Lord of Lords. You see, with the coming of the Christ and his judgments, he will rule with a rod of iron. Now he rules with a rod of love. He rules with open arms. He rules with compassion. He rules without judgment. He said, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. For my burdens are ye easy and my, my yoke is light. We don't have to carry the burdens of our day. We don't have to carry the burdens of our life. We'll just put them on, put them on Christ. But see, when Christ comes back, that will no longer be a possibility. Because he will rule with a, God, a rod of iron. He will use the word of God and use it to judge the, 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 the people who are left. So you see, the beginning of the kingdom age is a very important issue because it is a proving ground of, of Christ's authority and, and of his supremacy. It's going to be a proving ground to say that, okay, you, you've had all this time, man's time. You see, man's day is 7,000 years. We know that we're, we're going into the last, seven, uh, last thousand years of the millennial reign. We know that Christ is going to come back and reign. So there are those who say that the, the, the creation of the earth took 49,000 years because man's day was 7,000 7, years. So every day of creation was also 7,000. So in this millennial reign... On the earth, he's going to vindicate himself. That's this, this last thousand years of man's day. He's going to show you can live for God. You can live holy. The, 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 the power and the influence of evil will be taken off the earth. Satan will no longer be ruled or have the power to rule as when he, he took control of the earth in the Garden of Eden. Christ is going to take back the authority of the earth. He's going to take back the authority that was given to Satan when, when Adam and Eve sinned and was kicked out of the garden. God will not only bring judgment at this time, but he'll bring, bring rest upon the earth.
There will be no more violence that will happen. Satan will no longer be able to seduce men or women to perform evil actions or cause nations to create havoc upon our earth. There will be no more, the scripture says in James, that, that you, you, you lust and desire to have and you war and you create wars so that you can consume it upon your lust. That will not be happening during the millennial reign because all that will happen upon the earth will be that of peace. There is so much to look forward to in this millennial reign to think that there will be no excuses for man to say, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live that way. I couldn't serve God. It's too hard. Well, it's not too hard to serve God. If you can't keep pace now while things are easy, how are you going to serve God when things are, 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 are in turmoil and how the, how the world is, is going to go to chaos? How are you going to serve God then? You're not going to be able to keep up. If you can't keep up with the footmen, how are you going to keep up with the horses? The power of Satan will be taken off the earth and man won't be, have any incentive to do violence to other men. There will no longer be any nations that will, will, will want to, to have their own governments, but there will only be one government and it will be laid upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. You see, the scripture says he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and, and, and peace shall there be no end. You see, the rule of God will start center in the city of Jerusalem. We won't have to worry about any other place. We won't have to worry about looking to Washington, D.C. for our answers. We won't have to worry about the European Union having taken care of our needs. We won't have to worry about any other kingdom trying to provide for us. For all action will, will go towards the city of Jerusalem. And many people shall, in, in, in Isaiah 2 and 3 and 4, it says, And many people shall go and stay. Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us all his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall any learn war anymore. Can you imagine? We won't have to worry about gunfights. We won't have to worry about explosions. We won't have to worry about murders. There will be peace upon the earth. There's so much to look forward to in this kingdom age that is to come. In the kingdom age, there will be no more music. I, I got into this discussion with my wife. She, you know, she says, how, how do you know this is true? You see, music is, is one of the, the instruments that, that is used to bring worship. Satan was in charge of the music. In the kingdom age, there will no more be rock music or any type of hedonistic music that will, will cause people to... To, to want to lust or to cause people to want to do violence or to cause people to want to drink or to cause people to do untold things. Because music stirs the heart. It stirs the mind. If I, if, if I was to say, I'm loving it, what is that? It's McDonald's. Music makes you think. Music makes you think. Music causes you to do something. Music causes you to lust. Music causes you to, 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 to create violence in your heart. There, there, you, you listen. Music will cause you to worship demonic forces. 
Music will draw demonic spirits in, into where you're at. Music can do a lot of things. That's why God, when, when, when He led His armies to war, He had the music out front. It was a source of encouragement. It was a source of praise. Music is what will draw us to, uh, away from God if, if we allow it. I, I mean, you listen to this rap music, and it's talking about shooting cops, and it's talking about doing things to women, and it's talking about... It, 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 it creates in you a hedonistic feeling and a hedonistic desire. That is not God's way. But the Scripture says that sin will not have, have a place in heaven. In fact, in, in, in uh, Isaiah 65, oh, excuse me, I, I jumped. In the kingdom age, in Zechariah 14 and 20, it says, In that day they shall, there shall be bells upon the horses and holiness unto the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls on the altar. There, <coughs> excuse me. The bells will ring out, speaking of the Lord. There will be, be times of praise and worship. The things that will happen during the millennial reign will be times where, where men will seek out the things of God. During the millennial reign, all animals will be like the bear and the lion and the wolves shall cease to desire meat. But they'll only eat grass and hay like the cow or the sheep. There will be no worry over poisonous snakes for children or men. For they will all be tamed. Isaiah 65 and 25 says that the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. And there shall be no hurt nor destroy of all my, in, in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. There will be no more need in the, during the millennial reign to watch over your possessions. For there will be no more concerns for robberies or murders. There will be no more concern for those who would mug mug you for your possessions, or beat you up for your lunch money. For they will dwell in the earth in peace and safety. In the millennial reign, there will be no one that you'll have to worry about that will die at a very early age. I was, I was telling Brother McNew this morning that during the millennial reign, the scripture says that those who die at a hundred will be considered an infant. It says that you're going to last a long time. It says that, uh, let's see, but those who decide not to serve the Lord will be accursed at a hundred years of age. You see, there's going to be those who have not yet accepted Christ or, or denied Christ, but, but those who, who have will back, be able to go back to when the time of man lived 800, 900 years. In Isaiah 65 and 20 it says this, And there shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man hath, that hath not fulfilled his days, for a child shall die at a hundred years old. But the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. You see, in a minute, millennial reign, as you pray a prayer to Jesus, the scripture says that, it, that as soon as you finish praying it, the Lord will answer it. As you finish the word, speaking it out of your mouth, the Lord will hear your voice speaking it. Isaiah 65, 24 says, And it shall come, come to pass that, that before they call, I will answer, and while they yet speak it, I will hear it will be an instantaneous thing that when you have a need during the millennial reign, that when you call upon the name of Jesus, God is going to answer right away. The while, while you're still speaking the words, the scripture says that God will hear your voice calling. What a blessed time. What a blessed time. Who wouldn't want to serve God during the, this time of millennial peace? You see, during the thousand years of peace or the reign of the Lord, there will also be what's called the Feast of Tabernacles that will be celebrated. It's a, 
it was the third feast of the, of, of the Jewish calendar. And there were three great feasts, and this was the third. That it was a, it was a time of celebration uh, during the, for the time of harvest of the crops. It was also a time of remembrance for uh, when the children of Israel had walked in the desert and dwelt in tents. It was basically the Feast of Tabernacles is a time of thanksgiving. And uh, it was a giving of thanks. And the scripture says that during the thousand year reign, the Lord will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And he has put such great importance on it for those who do not serve God or give God the glory during this period of time that he will bring punishment upon man for not worshiping during the Feast of Tabernacles. In Zechariah 14, 17, and 18, it says, And it shall be that those who do not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, of the, the, uh, worship the King and the Lord of Lords, even unto them shall be no rain. And if the, if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be plague, which the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of the tabernacles. You see, you have a choice. Even during the millennial reign, you'll have a choice. You can worship God or you don't have to worship God. But if you don't come, the scripture says, to the Feast of Tabernacles, then your God's going to punish you with no rain for your crop. Well, you'll say, so what? Okay, I'll, I'll borrow from my neighbor. But the scripture also is saying that if you don't worship God during this period of time, that he will cause a plague to come upon you. And that you will not escape. You see, God has a plan. God has a plan for His church. During the millennial reign, for those who, have not, uh, who do not understand what the bottomless pit is, it, the bottomless pit is, pit is basically a, a prison that was to hold the Satan and his, his, his demons. And it is not the same as the lake of fire, for the lake of fire is an eternal place of judgment. And that is going to be the final judgment for 1,000 years, Satan will have no influence upon the earth. But you see, God wants to prove his righteousness one more time. And so at the end of that 1,000 years, he's going to lose Satan. And he's going to allow Satan to roam the earth again. And the scripture says that he is going to cause all the nations to come together. Why? Because God wants to show that, that okay, you have a chance to live a holy life. You have a chance to live righteously. And for a thousand years, you have no outside influences of what's going to take place. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to show you how great I am. I'm going to allow Satan one more chance to, to see if you will serve good or evil. And unfortunately, that there will be some who will choose to follow Satan's deceptions. You see, Satan uses deception and rebellion to his greatest advantages. He used deception during the garden to take and wrest authority away from Adam and Eve. He used deception to cause Eve to sin and break the covenant promise with Adam and with God. You see, he's still like he in the garden. He's going to use deception to destroy the nations of the world or try to conquer the, the kingdom of God. God is, Satan is, is using deception today to bring us to our knees to say that there, there is no power in the church. There is no need to serve God. He's using deception to say that, that the church is useless. But it's not. This time when Satan will be released, it will be a testing time for man. 
as Satan was released into the world and not allowed to influence people, God is going to allow Satan one more chance. The nature of man, the nature of man is so wicked. The Bible says that the, the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't know why man would choose to serve uh, 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 this world. I, I, we, we become seduced by the music. We become seduced by the, litter, the, the glitter and, and the glitz of, of, of our world. We look at the lights and we say, oh, I want that. We look at the power and say, oh, I want that. We look at all the, the trinkets and the, and, and the bling that comes with money and wealth and power and prestige. And we say, oh, I want that. It's the heart that deceives that says that I, I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. But in the end, there are testimonies out in this congregation of people who could not do it on their own. I couldn't do it on my own. Human nature says that there's lust, there's envy, and envy there's, there's hatred, there's jealousies, there's rage within our flesh, there's pride. There's, there's destructive things in our, in, our, in our human nature that if it's not changed, then we, 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 we follow the path of the destruction. So the way of a transgressor, transgressor, the scripture says, is hard. When I lived out in the world, I suffered many things. When I lived out in the world, I did destructive things. I, I, I've been to those places and bars and, 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 and I've done drugs and, and I'm not bragging about those things, but they were destroying our lives. The way of the world destroys the human family. The way of the world destroys all that is good. We, we're polluting our hearts and our minds with so many different things, so many different attitudes that come through our TV sets. We're polluting our minds and being corrupted by, 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 by the easy uh, believism. We're, we're polluting our minds by being the, the, the easy things that we can get a hold of for so little amount of money. It's all a deception that Satan uses to take us away from God. In Romans 8, 7, and 8, it says this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. As long as we are allowing the world in our lives, as long as we are allowing that secret sin to guide us, as long as we are allowing this world to influence us, we cannot please God. We cannot find happiness. You see, all sin is going to be judged. Whatever sin is not remitted or covered in this life by the blood of Christ, it's going to follow that man or that woman into eternity, and it will be judged by God. There won't be a second hope. There won't be a second work of redemption. All the work of redemption is done in this world, in this time. And now is the time that we must take and allow God to cleanse our lives of our sins. God's payment for sin was paid at the cross of Calvary, and we trample that blood. You know, I, 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 was, I, was, I was telling somebody at work, you know when Christ is going to come back? It's the, the scripture says that when the salt loses its savor, when our church, and I speak in general terms, but, but when our church loses its ability to affect, affect its world, then there's no more need for the church, and Christ will come back. For all those who who do not have a part in the first resurrection will be brought before the white throne judgment. All who ever lived on the earth will stand before Christ and give an account for all they did or did not do in this life. The Bible says that the books will be open. These books will probably be the, the Bible or the Word of God. 
God's book of remembrance, and then there will be the Lamb's book of life. In Malachi 3.16 it says, They that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and the book of remembrance was written before him of them that feared the Lord and the thought upon his name. Revelations 21 and 8 says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderer and the whoremonger and the sorcerer and the idolater, or idolater and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelations 21 27 says, And there shall be no, in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written into the Lamb's book of life. You see, God will open those books, and they'll look for a name by the name of Tony, and they'll see, oh yeah, here he is. I remember when he was in that service, and he was just a worshiping God. He was just a praise in the Lord. Yeah, he's, he's in. Come on in, Tony. I, I don't know who it is. <laughs> and then there will be the other soul who was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. See that wisdom? There will be that other soul that didn't praise the Lord, that didn't worship God. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Christ is a victorious king. His conquering power will be manifested when he returns to earth in glory and sets up a millennial kingdom. We're not going to dwell in a place like a milk, in the Milky Way or out in the stars somewhere. We're not going to dwell in a different place than where we are right now. But we will dwell upon a new heaven and a new earth. For every man or woman who takes Christ into their lives today and lives holy, and every person who do not, does not give it in to the temptations of, of the flesh, they vindicate God's will of life. They justify that by living for God, you can make it. For every time that you say, I can't make it, I can't overcome the sin, or you succumb to that sin, there will always be those who, who will point a finger and say, when Bob was there, he was able to do it. When Bob was there, he overcame that very same sin. What does Scripture say in Revelations 3.21? To him that overcometh I will grant to sit with me in my throne, as also I, I, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. Though the days we live today may seem dark, we live in a time when our government <laughs> is supposedly shut down, although three quarters of it is still working. We live in a time of uncertainty and doubt. Our world is facing judgment, and it will come. But we don't have to face that judgment. We can face God's loving arms. Let's stand. The Scripture doesn't say exactly when Christ will return, but there are so many Scriptures that point to the direction or the time of His return. We don't have to face the lake of fire we don't have to face the white throne judgment if we'll just serve God today. The scripture says, let our light so shine before men that they may ask the reason of the hope that lies within us. You see, we're not at the end time yet. And there are still souls to be saved. There's still people to be reached. There's still a gospel to be preached. There's still men and women who, who have yet to accept 
Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are still people who have yet to turn their hearts over. There are still people who have yet to release the sin in their lives. Today is that day. Today is the opportunity for you and me to reach out to those people and guide them to a place where they can call upon the name of the Lord. This, uh, this lesson has been a challenge. And uh, when you deal with prophecy and, and, and many things, you, you, can, you can get lost in the weeds very easily. And, and it was my hope that I, um, I tried to at least give some type of a chronology of events that we can turn to and say, oh yes, yes, I, I see that happening. And walk with fear and reverence towards Christ. I love you all, and I just give God the grace and the praise this morning. It's good. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, in the process, as I was listening to him, I thought crossed my mind. We talked about how in the millennial reign that the Lord will instantly answer prayers. Where a lot of times we have a question. We're going to have the prayer meeting on Tuesday. And then tonight, again, we're praying for the uh, upcoming uh, outreach at the Tivoli. Uh, and we question, you know, God, I've prayed. And I've gotten answers. And I've gotten answers pretty quickly. But there's been times it seems like it takes so long. If you could answer that fast during the millennial reign, why can't you answer that quickly now? But, you know, the, there is a biblical answer to that. And that's the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel. And that is that when Daniel prayed, the angel came with the answer, but he said he was hindered by the prince of Persia, which was, was the devil, Satan. So I believe that today, that the more on, on target that a prayer is, the more a prayer is for revival, for people's souls, for healing, whatever it may be for an individual, the more that that prayer is hindered. The hindrance will be out of the way during the millennial prayer. God knows. I mean, it's not that God couldn't instantly do it with the devil and a hundred devils. But the fact is that the devil has been given. He's a prince and a power of the air. So there is going to come. And that's why the, it's, 